Hey there, and welcome to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Today's episode is a crossover episode with Lila from A Stripper's Guide and um, with yours truly, AMD. And uh, we are talking about uh, female customers that come into the clubs and what that's like, and also some of the horophobia that we deal with as strippers throughout our stripping career, throughout our sex worker journey. Um, and so it was really fun having a chance to do a podcast with um, someone else. And um, this podcast is also being released on today, June 15th, the same day um, on a stripper's guide platform. So you can also listen to it there as well. So we uh, really had a fun time working together. Just a quick few notes. I wanted to let everyone know that we're going on a break. We're going to be on like a month long break, very much needed time to regroup. Um, I, I learned after doing podcasts for several months, original, you know, in the beginning that a lot of podcast shows take seasonal breaks and they have seasons <laughs> and, you know, typical me, I just, keep working and don't stop until our producer Mackenzie is like, Hey, you need to take a break. So that is what's about to happen. Um, and I also wanted to mention when we come back from the break, we're going to be, at least me personally, will be doing more topical type podcast shows. So if you have any ideas for topics or subjects that you think should be covered that you haven't heard before, or ones that you have heard, but you think should be elaborated on, please write into us and give us your topic ideas. Um, and please send in any questions that you have as well, because we would love to apply questions and comments to topics that will be coming up. You can send those to yes, a stripper podcast at gmail.com, or you can go directly to our website and use our contact form. At yes, a stripperpodcast.com. So that's about it for now. Really excited for you to listen to today's episode that is guided by Lila. And I uh, hope you enjoy and really hope that you write to us so that we have some really fun stuff to come back to when we're off our break. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this very special crossover episode of a stripper's guide podcast. I am your host, Lila, and I am joined today by A.M. Davies, who is the secretary of Strippers United and one of the hosts of the Yes, a Stripper podcast. Hi, A.M. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Thank you so much for being my guest. I am really excited to get into this with you. Yeah, um, me too. So today we're talking about we're kind of, we're, we're talking about two things that are separate, but related. We're talking about <laughs> the, the phenomenon of like straight women in the strip club or like women customers who come with either their, um, you know, cis male partner or sometimes in a bachelorette party or whatever. Um, we're going to be talking about their behavior with a capital B <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we're going to get into 
some sort of like intra stripper misogyny, like some misogyny that happens between strippers and sex workers. Um, so yeah. Should we, should we just take it from there? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I'm taking your lead today. This is so nice. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Great. All right. I, I wasn't, this is, this is funny. Cause like AM and I, this is our first time talking face to face and we're both podcast hosts. So I, I really appreciate the like <laughs> communication about who's leading and who's following. That's awesome. That's really helpful. Thank you. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, let's start with, first of all, I'm a stripper. Uh, and like for, for the context of my audience, like AM, do you want to maybe give a little yeah, background? Yeah, totally. Yes. I was a stripper for close to 20 years. Um, and it's really interesting still wondering if I define myself as such, even though I'm not actively working in the clubs and I'm not actively stripping online. Um, you know, sometimes I am very rarely. So uh, I was a stripper for 20 years. I am a sex worker advocate and activist. So, um, you know, I very much understand the nuances, obviously, of the strip club industry. I worked in clubs all over the states. Um, yeah, so I, I know a lot. I've seen a lot. And I, I watched the industry sort of change over the last 20 years because the landscape was quite different only 20 years ago. I mean, there are some things that remain the same, but it's also changed a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I should say I've been a stripper for eight years. I do still dance. Um, I'm New York based these days. I am from Boston and that's where I started dancing. And I did some like brief, a brief like year, less than a year stint in San Francisco. Um, but I am always curious when I hear dancers or former dancers who did work like 20 years ago, um, what these types of what, how the landscape has changed. And it's also, I think I would love to hear your perspective on not only the, like the ways that you've experienced straight women's um, actions or, or ideas about <laughs> you in the strip club, but also like if those may have changed over time. So like, I guess I'll just start with asking like, how have you, how would you categorize your interactions with straight women or like self-identified, like bi curious women in the club? Um, I there, you know, it's a mix. It's some of them are really chill and they get it, but a lot are, um, can be just as bad, if not sometimes worse than the men. Um, and I think it's because women feel like, well, you're a woman too, so I can do this to you. Like they feel more empowered to be disrespectful um, because they think that, oh, well, I'm a woman touching a woman, so she won't care. Right. Um, and I find it even more offensive that when a woman grabs me without consent, or says some fucked up shit to me, like, how can you treat another person that you identify as like this when you know that you would not want to be treated like this? And so I, I'm, it's, I'm like double offense offended when something happens. Um, and I have tons of stories too. I can share with you. I'm sure you have stories as well. I, Mine are a blur because I <laughs> at some point, because unfortunately, like I have just come to, I don't, I don't genuinely even approach 
customers that I can see are like, you know, they look like they're part of a heterosexual couple. Like it looks like couples. Like when I see heterosexual couples in the club, I, I don't even approach them anymore because I've learned from experience that it is um, often a gamble and that I am likely to get groped, particularly by the woman. Um, mm-hmm. and so like, I've had, I had so many similar experiences that they, I, I don't know if I can even like pull specific ones out of my memory. Cause they were a, a few years yeah. ago. I stopped, like I stopped taking, mm. I just stopped even approaching women customers. Um, I mean, unless, you know, a, a, a queer group is different every once in a while, but a queer group. Totally. Totally. Um, but but yeah, like I like when a or like if there's if there's like a couple seated by the stage, I'm always like, oh no, like of course it's not everyone, <laughs> of course. But like it can right. be it can be a lot of like excessive like like screaming and cheering and not tipping at the stage rail. Yeah. <laughs> Cringy. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I'd love to hear if you want to share a specific story. Yeah. So, I mean, just in general, I, in the beginning of my stripping career for probably the first five years, I encountered so many women that would, um, get lap dances and wear skirts and not have underwear on. And I, yeah. And so I I encountered that so often that anytime I would dance for a woman that was wearing a skirt, I'd always ask them in the beginning of the dance so that I would know what I need to navigate around. Mm. Um, And I, I, I think that a woman not wearing underwear to a strip club under their skirt is equivalent to a man wearing basketball shorts with no underwear. Well, you know, it's like, it's just out and free. And it's like, you know, we're, we're not, we haven't consented to that yet. You haven't asked me if it's okay to have your genitals out. Um, you know, and, and for me in particular, that wasn't okay. And that is okay for some people. And I'm fine with that, but I just need to know what I'm getting myself into when I'm going into giving a lap dance. And I think that by not sharing that information as a patron, then you're, you're crossing boundaries of consent immediately right off the bat. So, um, so that was, that was just one thing. Another, um, Another time, and and I don't think I was particularly, I handled this situation very well. I'm not super proud of myself in some of these moments that I'm going to describe, but I was on stage dancing and this group of people came in. It was um, several women and like a couple of males. And and one of the women that came in like smacked my ass while I was on stage. And, um, it was very obvious. Everyone saw it and all of their, all of her friends thought, Oh, like, that's so funny. Ha ha. You slap that stripper's ass. And mm-hmm. I came off stage and I, cause I immediately got angry and they could tell that that was not good, but they were still laughing. They still thought, <laughs> I don't know. It was a very confusing moment for me, especially because I'm like, what the fuck just happened? And then I see him like a woman just did that to me. And so I, I walked out and I, I spoke to them and to her specifically, I pulled her aside and I chastised her and I like made very clear. I said, and I said things to her, like, you're a woman. Would you like it if another woman or anyone just walked into a room and smacked you on your ass? And I really talked down to her, which is the part that I regret instead of being more of like a call in, but I was so angry. I'm not defending my behavior by saying I was so angry, but I was, I was very angry. Um, and 
And then she was sort of mad at me for speaking to her that way. So I also felt like it didn't really get very far. Like I, I hope that she went home and thought about that. But in the moment, I felt like it landed on deaf ears um, because I was being a bitch, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, the one being assaulted. <laughs> right. And and like, I don't know, I'm of the camp of like, if you're the one who experiences assault, it's not your responsibility to like take a specific tone with anyone. Like you're, and yeah. from where I stand, like you're welcome to chastise people. And then like, <laughs> yeah, know, her friends are yeah. the ones who should have stood up for you and, and like, you know, instead of laughing at you and, or laughing mm-hmm. that it happened, I definitely, uh, I work at a club now that like when I was being trained, they specifically told me that like they encourage the strippers to get like physical with like what they deem to be attractive female clientele, which is, you know, presumed straight or like definitely like presumed cis, thin model type women that like frequent our club because it's like a, you know, whatever it's New York. Um, and like in my mind, you know, I wasn't surprised because it's the industry and the industry is so patriarchal. Of course, it's like a fetish within the industry to have like femme on femme action. But also as a queer femme, I was like, first of all, absolutely not. Like as me personally, beyond my like identities, I'm just not comfortable like rubbing up on strangers and I'm not going to do that for a free show. Like they want, they want my club. They want us to like, like let, let like, like women patrons like touch us on stage and like, I'm like, no, like nobody's touching me on stage, period. But like, (laughs) (laughs) but also the idea, like if you're doing like girl on girl shit, quote unquote, to make money as a sex worker, I'm not judging you for like catering to that patriarchal like desire. Um, Or if it's your own desire, great. Like awesome. It doesn't have to be patriarchal. It can exist outside the lens of patriarchy for sure. But I also am not like knocking sex workers who choose to play into that to make money. But like, I personally, as a queer femme, don't feel comfortable crossing that boundary, especially with like a random stranger. Maybe if it was with another trained sex worker, like I cross, I definitely am comfortable doing that with other strippers, like, you know, performing for the client that way, if we're both getting paid, but just to like, let a stranger grope me, like I'm like on so many levels. Yeah. It, okay. So you bring up a a couple of good points. One, one thing that I'm reminded of is that, um, the, the woman that I spoke to that had slapped my ass, her response was, well, it's allowed at, at the places I go to where I go. And so I'm hearing this story and I'm like, literally you're encouraged. It's not just allowed. It's like, let's do this. That's the message that you're receiving. So quite possibly you know, this person went to a club like that, where that was the tone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, it's, it's really disturbing. But what I also find interesting is that like, for you, your mentality is like, this is my job and these are my boundaries and not even the people who are supposed to take care of us understand that this is our job and we have boundaries. It's like, this is what we want you to do. So do it. And it's, and so the the message we're receiving from like everyone is that our bodies are free to 
be used in any way that people choose. And there is no consequence and there is no discussion. You just get to grab and poke and lick and bite the people in here. And nobody's fucking doing, nobody cares. Nobody cares about how we feel in our bodies. And we're just trying to do a job of entertaining and, and then of other sex acts by our choosing, Mm -hmm. not because someone else is forcing us to do it. And then society gets a wind of this. And then they just think that we're a free for all. And then we're looked down on because we're a free for all. It's like, no, not by choice. Yeah, not, it's not our choice, you know. So I saw what a this cycle. Meme. It is such a cycle, and it's and that's like the the idea, like the woman who slapped your ass. The idea that like, because I have I have male customers who they'll you know try to touch me during a lap dance, and I'll just gently be like, oh, you know, that's not allowed. Like you know, and in this club, like I know this is your first time here, so I'm just letting you know, and I'll say, you know. Oh, I want, I like, I want to tell you before a bouncer does, like, I don't want, you know, I wouldn't want you to mm-hmm. get like whatever. Um, and a lot of them are like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm from Florida and it's allowed where I go. And I'm like, and then they're re- fine after that. And they don't cross my boundaries after that. But the, yeah. I, but, but every once in a while, I do have one who's like pushes back because they're like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm used to this. Like I should be able to grab on you because I can at my club at home. And just like the, the woman who slapped your ass. And it's this idea that like, it's like, wow, like you didn't even think about the fact that you're coming into contact with a new human being, like a human being you haven't met before. Exactly. This person. And maybe at your club at home, it is, everybody's cool with it. And that is the vibe, but like you're in a new place with new people. (laughs) Exactly. That's, and it's very similar to when you're giving a lap dance and a dancer is going further than you're comfortable with going. The customer sees that and, and then tries extra stuff. And it's like, well, that's what she's doing. And, and so what that says to me is people view us as a monolith that Mm -hmm. whatever they've done with one other dancer, they can do to others. And for all we know, whatever they've done with their first few dancers and whatever club they're in, those dancers are being pressured for Mm -hmm. all we know. You know, I maybe they're not, maybe they are, but but that people think that, oh, well, I've done this to anywhere from one to ten dancers, so I should be able to do it to you means they think that we're literally like a brainless monolith that have no thought process and aren't capable of making our own choices. That's how it lands for me, yep. what people are seeing in strippers and sex workers in general, quite quite frankly, because all different types of sex workers have all different types of boundaries. Ones that I don't even, I've not experienced or I'm aware of, you know, I'm always learning something new about sex workers and about different types of sex work. Cause it's so complex and diverse and interesting um, that it's like, I just, you know, what will it take for people to grasp that we are a group of human beings that share a few things in common, which is our work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, we all have different experiences and feelings. I don't, when will they get that? I know. I, I just realized I like, (laughs) I like said half a thought and then dropped it and went in another direction, but I wanted to finish saying, I saw this meme or whatever, like a few years ago. And I really wish I knew where it came from. So if anybody out there knows who, who this quote is by, please let me know. 
but it says the sex industry is dangerous because of how you treat sex workers. Exactly. Right. Like, like the sex industry could be a safe haven for both workers and clients, but, and some parts of it are, and like, you know, I've had plenty of like really pleasant consensual experiences, but like there are, because of this entitlement that is like socially acceptable in our clientele, it's, it's really a, a kind of a rocky road for a lot of us. And I, it's what you were just saying too, this idea about all different sex workers having all different boundaries and, and clientele oftentimes not even stopping to wonder like if there could be nuance there. I, um, I'm writing a book right now. And part of my task for like submitting the book proposal is to, uh, you know, showcase which successful books my book is like, but also how my book is different from those books. That's like a you know mm-hmm. part of the process, whatever. And I just read this over this past week. I just read this book that my editors suggested as like a comparative title. And I'm really glad that I read it um, for a lot of reasons, but it's called Whip Smart. The author is Melissa Phoebos, who I don't, have you read it? No, I have not. It's um, she's a former dominatrix and this book came out in 2010. So I'm not, there was, there was plenty of it that I thought was really, um, you know, spectacular. And I thought the writing was really amazing. Uh, But I also noticed, and actually this is a, this is a great segue into the, into the other (laughs) thing we're going to talk about today. um, That kind of ties the two together. She talks a lot about you know, what she's, what she was comfortable with as a dominatrix and, and, and talks in her book about how in the very beginning of doming, she, she drew like her hard lines in the sand. She knew what her hard boundaries were. Um, and, and gives a lot of detail about what activities she participated in as a dom, which is all, you know, great, but she's sharing with folks and people can see themselves in her writing and, Um, But there's also this other aspect of it where I really, I really feel it. um, Unfortunately, there's a lot of judgment around, like there's a lot of judgmental language around like strippers in her book Mm -hmm. and how she chose doming because stripping just seemed like too sad for her or whatever, like too Mm -hmm. demoralizing, too demeaning. And it was really interesting because like when, and I was like, like when I read, when it, it was, there was a lot in this book that I would have stopped reading if I wasn't reading it for the purpose of trying to figure out how my book is different. Um, yeah. But like, it's unfortunate because I would have stopped there because I would have been like, oh, this, this girl doesn't like think that strippers are on her level or whatever. Like she thinks she's better than us. Um, and right. or at least that was my impression. And it was interesting because when she detailed a lot of the things that she did as a dom with clients, I was like, well, those, I wouldn't, I, I would personally, no judgment on anybody who does it, but I would personally not feel comfortable doing those, those things. And those right. would be outside of the scope of what felt okay for me. I'm like, stripping is okay for me. I've been doing it for a long time and I'm comfortable with it. And like, I don't, I don't want to like give a grown man an enema. That's not part of the scope of something that I would do for money if I could do something oh, else. Goodness gracious. I Which don't is, even like giving myself an enema. I don't I even mean. like talking about them. <laughs> I got like some weird, I'm like weird about poop, but, but, but like my point, sorry, I mean, to like shock anybody with the sudden like detour to animals, but like just the point being like in her mind, strippers are sad and demoralized, but like it's, 
it's like that's your perspective and it's unfortunate interesting and well yeah it is unfortunate but it's also like you said her perspective so maybe for her it made her feel sad and demoralizing and hopefully she worded it that way and not like generally I kind of it's an unfortunate like I I feel like it I don't know anybody out there if you read it I would love to hear your take on it because like I I did keep hoping that it would be that way that it would be like more of like I personally don't want to strip because I would feel not good about it but the way it was written was sort of like strippers are sad which is such a stereotype about us and like dominatrixes are powerful right like and that's yeah. a big divide, I think. Well, what, what about the intersect of dominatrixes who work in strip clubs? Because right. that that's a thing. Yeah. Um, they may not necessarily call themselves a dominatrix, but I've seen plenty of doming in, you know, the in very different ways, um, not in maybe a traditional sense, um, but isn't doming like there's all different ways you can do it right yeah of course yeah (laughs) even being a stripper there's all different ways you can do it you can do house calls private parties online webcamming is like stripping burlesque is like stripping it's like all these different things and i think that it's really hard for people to break free of this the assimilation that has been um forced on us since birth which is these are the way things are these are the way you do things and this is what you are supposed to think about things Mm -hmm. and it's so easy to fall in line and then as we mature then you have to sort of find your own way become a critical thinker and break free of these assimilated programmed messages and thoughts and really take a step back and be like I mean, if that's fine for you, then that's fine for me. Cause how is that hurting me? But to continue to perpetuate these messages of, um, you know, putting other people down for what they choose to do with their body, especially as a sex worker can be really damaging because we need to be unified. The yes. world is against us. So we need to be unified. Not really sure how to do that. I don't know how possible that is because again, we're not a monolith. So maybe not everybody wants to be unified. Yeah, I think, but I mean, the one thing that I will say about the left and the Republicans or no, 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 the right, I always get that confused. And the Republicans, they they kind of end up similar. Exactly. But they know exactly what their point is and what they need to do. And they stay unified in their message all the time. And that's how they're able to be so horrible and make things happen. And so I look at us on the other side of the spectrum and I find that there's, there's the hierarchy, there's whorephobia against each other. And we're all like under this same umbrella. And like, how do we stop calling each other dirty? I hate that. Yes. I hate it when dancers call other dancers dirty. Exactly. And that's just so for, I'm sure you, your listeners have heard you say hierarchy before, but just for my listeners, could you, <laughs> could you um, give us a brief description of what the hierarchy is? Yeah. It's hierarchy of the whoredom, you know, we're, <laughs> I don't know if that creates more. I need to. Okay. No, it's, you know, it's whores being whores, which I identify as a whore. I say this in the most loving, respectful way. 
And it's then, then those horrors being like, well, I do this and not what you're doing. Therefore, what I'm doing elevates me and I'm a better, cleaner whore. I'm a more respectable whore than you are because I don't give hand jobs and blow jobs and VIP. So like you're dirty and gross and I'm really cute and amazing. That's the hierarchy. Yeah. That's just an example. And it not feels, a real life conversation. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I've I've witnessed and been a part of a lot of real life conversations that were very similar to what you just described. <laughs> but and it's it goes so deep and it's so it's so interesting. Like the if if we have any shame or um or sort of like guardedness around the fact that we're a sex worker, or if we expect to be judged or we're afraid to be judged, which is reasonable because we live in a society that judges us to a dead. We are degree. judged. Yeah. We and judged. we're absolutely yeah. judged. And I'm not suggesting that like everybody should feel a hundred percent comfortable with doing sex work because it can totally damage your life. If people found out for a lot of people. Um, totally. But if we're carrying that, if we're carrying like shame, like it's one thing to know that our safety could be compromised. It's another thing to feel like we are bad for doing the thing that we're doing. And, um, and I feel like I've seen a lot of that, like strippers and I, myself, certainly when I went into, when I started stripping, I was so, it was my first foray into sex work at all. I didn't, I didn't have any, anybody in my life who openly identified as a sex worker. I had never really talked to one before to my knowledge. And so I was really just feeling things out. And also I arrived with the morals and principles that I arrived with where, which were, you know, I was raised in, a in a middle-class white household and with uh, my mom is an academic and self-identifies as a feminist. And I was raised in the uh, a vein of feminism, quote unquote, that I have since left behind because it was um, a, a feminism that really centers white women. <laughs> yeah, were mm, you going to say something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it like swerfy and turfy feminism? Um, swerfy for sure, which mm-hmm. um, is like a, a feminism, uh, which for folks who are unfamiliar with that acronym, it's sex worker exclusionary feminism. Did I say that right? Sex worker exclusionary. There's an R. Sex worker exclusionary radical feminism. Right. Okay. I think R is radical. Yeah. So it's a feminism that is like sex work is not sex. Sex workers can't be feminist. Categorically, they're off the (laughs) they're off the team. They're off the feminist island. I didn't. I definitely grew up in um like a a a household that presumed itself very like pro-gay, pro-gender spectrum, mm-hmm. but you can't actually be pro, pro-queer pro if you're anti-sex worker. So like it was very like sex, yeah, sex workers are lost. They're all in need of saving type of ideology. So I, I didn't feel, yeah. I felt adventurous enough and brave enough to try stripping. Um, I really genuinely had an interest because I hated every line of work I'd ever been in. And it turns out I'm autistic and that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I couldn't stay in any type yeah. of job with a boss or, or confinement. Um, but so when I became a stripper, like I was totally cool with it, but I also definitely had like internalized ideas about the fact that like, what I was doing was better than what, you know, escorts were doing because I worked in a club that was no contact. Nobody was allowed to touch me even in the champagne room. And there was definitely 
in that club, a lot of girls, a lot of like anti whore attitudes in that club. And, and I really, you know, have become humbled over the years and, you know, much more of a whore over the years. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, when I talk about the hierarchy, I definitely place blame on myself. I was also uh, a very young, privileged white person going into the clubs and not understanding at all what I was getting myself into and um, presuming that um, the place I was working at was had morals Mm -hmm. and, and um, maintain that and made sure the dancers were not getting like, I really had a lot more expectations of, what I thought was going to happen in there or not happen. And I was definitely one of those dancers that would complain about the dirty dancers. Mm. I definitely lived in that space. Um, and it took me a long time to get out of that space. And now that I'm out of it, I'm a huge advocate for anti that behavior, anti hierarchy, anti um, putting each other down because we all have different boundaries. In fact, I think that a friend said to me recently, this strip clubs are the safest brothels in the, in the world because you're indoors. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's people around. (laughs) No, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No worries. I was excited and agreeing with you. <laughs> yes. And I also like, like, yes, strip clubs are a safe, a safe space to do, you know, full service sex work um, because they are these spaces that are, they exist kind of outside the legal system. Um, you know, strip clubs are a place where like, you know, like the money, money is, uh, exchanged to the right people and people pretty much leave strip clubs alone. Um, I mean, you know, legally, uh, like, Oh yeah. I see that all the time. Trust me. And in my line of work, I see all the things that these people get away with and it is various, various copious amounts of things that they get away with that. Like the government doesn't seem to give up fuck about. Right. It, and, and, and strip clubs, strip clubs are the safest brothel in terms of not getting your brothel raided. Um, and you are around other people like general, generally, but also private rooms are like, you know, there's a closed door in, in a lot of places, closed door and no camera. And so you're, you are alone with a client. So you're not necessarily safe from the client. If the client is violent or, or, you know, um, but yeah. if sex work weren't criminalized, then mm. we could have safe brothels run by sex workers instead of these fucking middlemen who literally all they do is put a roof over our head and monopolize on the fact that our work is criminalized. And so they make us yeah. like strip clubs are strip clubs, the the management in strip clubs, which is mostly male and always misogynistic doesn't matter like who's who's working for the strip club it still enforces a system where the dancers are financially exploited for no other reason than our work is illegal elsewhere and so we 
we're forced to be in this type of environment, giving yeah. our money away. Yeah. And, and there, there are just to touch on something you said earlier, there are raids of said strip clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they do do that. I guess it, if it were like, this is it, this is very clearly a brothel, then yeah, it would continuously be raided and shut down and fucked with. Um, but because it's a strip club, yeah, it does happen a little less. Um, but yeah, I, in, we need to be decriminalized. All of, all of sex work needs to be decriminalized in order for these owners and managers to not have power over us. And because exactly like what you said, they have power over us because they know that the things that are happening beyond lap dancing are illegal. And they know that they have that over us and can treat us a certain way. Honestly, the way the system was set up, is working perfectly. It's working exactly how it was intended to work, which is to control um, women, mostly women. I'm speaking mostly about women because that's mostly what this community is made up of. I also include in non-binary by gender folks as well in this conversation, but we, we are, will constantly be vulnerable to all types, types of attacks. If this continues to remain criminalized and it starts to reach out to other women outside of our community, because if you even like, like that condom law that just got like deleted in San Francisco, you couldn't be walking with condoms. It was illegal to have condoms on your person. What if I'm not doing sex work and I need condoms and you find them? (laughs) Am I, you know, but also the sex workers need condoms. (laughs) Like you want them to be safe, right? You don't want a spread of diseases, right? Like, can you just tell us what the fuck you want? And stop like gaslighting and making up laws and rules. I'm totally tangenting right now. I don't think so. But. I think it's totally related <laughs> because it wouldn't if we weren't if and and like yeah. I have I ha- I struggle with like the bulkiness of of language around um, you know how to talk about sex worker oppression and not just shorthand it to like women and femmes, um, but like because the the real the real aim of patriarchy is to control what it perceives to be feminine. So like it doesn't matter who is doing the sex work. If they are feminized in any way in the eye of the oppressor, they're at risk. And so like shorthanding it to to women and femmes to me is like not to disclude anybody from the dangers of an a currently criminalized sex work industry, but to draw attention to the fact that if women and femmes and gender fluid folks and trans folks were safe, this like language wouldn't even, the burden of this language wouldn't even be necessary because the the phenomenon wouldn't exist. But it's like, we have to, like those who are perceived most immediately feminine in the eyes of the oppressor are the ones who are most at risk. And like, there's a reason why, like, if if or when we could be safe, all genders would be safe. Like, anybody feminized. Um, 
Absolutely. I mean, in um, July of 2019, that that summer period of 2019, um, strippers and sex workers before this, probably the signing of SESTA FOSTA when that came out, um, strippers and sex workers were being deleted, shadow banned, all kinds of flagged, everything on social media. And then they started to come after pole dancers mm-hmm. because pole dancers were on a pole like strippers are. Yep. And then the pole dance community like totally freaked out. I was one of those people be- because, and I had also connected with strippers very deeply at the time and discussed the issues with them as well. And then we started noticing who else was getting banned and deleted. It was the LGBTQIA community. It yep. was the fat community. It was the black indigenous people of color, you know, people of those communities, um, anyone that was showing skin, even women's fitness was getting flagged and shadow banned. I mean, hashtag women's fitness was um, the entire, all the posts of that hashtag were banned for about two weeks. Oh, interesting. Hashtag woman and hashtag women were banned. You couldn't see any posts using those hashtags for 24 hours. Guess who wasn't affected? Hashtag men, hashtag man, hashtag men's fitness, not banned, not touched with, not fucked with. So, and, and I, I love telling this story, even though I hate this story, but I love telling it because it's a very clear and tangible example of if you fuck with a marginalized group of people who look like you, you will get fucked with next. Yep. So you should care. If yes. if you only care because you don't want to be fucked with, that's good enough for me. Just fucking give a shit what's yeah. happening to people who look like you. Because yeah. we all fucking look like each other. We're all just humans, like yep. doing what we want to do. What's the big fucking deal? Get off my back. <laughs> I mean, you said it. Well said. I think I think that's a that's a perfect perfect note to end it on. Awesome. Yeah. Give it give a shit about your local sex worker and pay them. <laughs> yes. Um so where can people find you? Oh my gosh. So you can follow me at the Queen of Sexy. Um at, that account is no longer just about me. It's turned into a community account. Um, that's the best account to follow me at, um, to find anything personal about me. Um, and yes, um, on Instagram, yes, a stripper podcast, um, and listen to yes, a stripper podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, and I think, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. And for your folks in your community, um, I just wanted to let them know that my podcast isn't like only about stripper and sex worker stuff. It's often worked in there, but, um, if you are, if you're looking, there's a lot of relationship stuff, a lot of like relationship abuse recovery stuff. Um, it's just like a pro ho pro femme space. I also have a book club going this summer, which I would love like to invite you and any of your, so, um, yes. So can you, can you give us more? Yeah. Give us more details on that. Yeah, We're going to read, we're going to read a book a month, um, June through August. And, they're all going to be like either like, you know, by sex workers or pro sex worker, um, in, you know, very intersectionally feminist. The goal of the book club is just to be in community together and like uplift each other and support each other through like the biggest, baddest summer we've ever had. Like, that's what I want. I just want to be in community with a bunch of hot babes who are like, yeah, 
go get your dreams. I believe in you. And like read literature that supports that and makes us feel inspired and encouraged. Um, and we're starting with, oh, well, I guess, so, so now that we're this interview, we did this before my book club started, but it's going to go all summer. So this interview is coming out on June 15th. Um, so right. we're already currently we're reading bad fat black girl by Cecily Bowen, um, which, uh, it, she is a former sex worker and it's just like a very inspiring, uplifting, like feminist handbook, um, all, all nice. feminist handbook. Um, and yeah, I, at this point we haven't bit picked book number two yet so if you want to be part of choosing the next books and all that join the club um you can find information about that at astrippersguide.com or you can follow me on instagram at astrippersguide and and yeah all the good stuff perfect that is awesome yes thank you so much for having me and for doing this with me this is great yeah thanks for having me i'm so happy to be on (laughs) yes stripper i love your pod i love everything you do you're amazing yeah thank you for all you you do No problem. No problem. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. This episode has been a production with Period Podcast Network. Find out more on Instagram at Period Podcast Network. Be sure to follow us on Instagram too at Yes, a Stripper Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at Yes, a Stripper Pod. Please like, subscribe, and rate Yes, a Stripper Podcast here on YouTube. See you next week. And that's on period. Network.